A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Hello and welcome. I'm Tim Farron and this is the show where you get to hear from a Christian who works either in or through the mucky business of politics. You may well think that politics is tainted by compromise and sin. And of course you'd be right. But then again, so is everything else. And I think Christians should be praying for their brothers and sisters who are involved in politics in an informed way. Today, we'll be joined by two of the team at Compassion UK, who will talk to us about the impact politics and individuals can have when campaigning on specific issues. And we'll hear more of one of their campaigns that they're currently pushing. But before that, we continue to watch the ongoing invasion of Ukraine with horror. Donations, sanctuary for refugees and prayers for peace and justice are vitally important to show our support for the Ukrainian people in their suffering. Yet we feel helpless in the face of the tragedy and evil unfolding before us. This is an interconnected world more than ever before. People in the UK will feel the shockwaves from this catastrophe. Ukraine produces much of Europe's grain. Russia is a major source of fertilizer as well as energy. At home, we've already seen energy prices soar, and now oil prices have reached their highest level since 2008, and they continue to rise. Last week, the International Panel on Climate Change gave a chilling warning that the situation with the Earth's climate is worse than we thought, and that we must act by the end of the decade to reduce carbon emissions, or it will be too late to reverse the trends towards catastrophe. Much of the environmental damage is done by our reliance on gas and oil to meet our energy needs. The rush now to cut our use of Russian energy sources gives us an extra kick to move rapidly towards domestic renewables. The government has committed to a target of net zero carbon emissions by 2050. Actually, this isn't really ambitious enough given what the evidence tells us, but this target is being challenged by some Conservative MPs and peers as being too ambitious. And now Nigel Farage is calling for a net zero referendum, arguing that people should be consulted on the high costs and individual sacrifices that would be required. But if greenhouse gas emissions continue to rise at the current rate, there will be more floods and droughts, more violent storms, more intense heat waves. There will be Dramatic drops in global food production, whole species of animals, insects and plants will die out, causing ruptures in the fragile ecosystems and food chains that hold our planet together. There will be mass movements of people displaced in their homes and their land. There will be wars fought over productive land as it becomes ever more scarce. The climate threat we face is bigger than anything triggered by Brexit, bigger than COVID-19, bigger and more comprehensive even, than war in Europe, and it can only be tackled if we come together and work together across communities and across continents. Now, some Christians take the view that climate change is all an inevitable part of God's plan for our world and something that will occur as part of the end times. But many of those at the forefront of campaigning against climate change and providing practical support to those facing the consequences are Christians and other faith groups. But that makes sense because the Bible is full of sound principles that should encourage us to stand and fight the injustice of climate change. Firstly, our beautiful planet reflects God's glory. The Bible tells us that God saw his creation as good 
We must not shrug off the damage we have done to the world in the expectation that there will one day be a new heaven and a new earth and that none of this matters. The way we treat our planet reflects the way we view God. If we want to give honour to the creator, we do need to respect his creation. Secondly, human beings are stewards of the earth. This does not mean that we can exploit it endlessly for our own purposes. It means we must care for our planet and behave responsibly to protect its inhabitants of all species. In the creation story, we see God giving Adam and Eve responsibility for caring for the garden and the animals as part of their worship of him. Thirdly, the Bible tells us that every human being, whether they're from Newcastle or Nairobi or New Delhi, is made in the image of God. We must love our neighbour as ourselves, and our neighbour is everyone, no matter where they live, no matter when they live. Indeed, it is in the poorer parts of the world that people are experiencing the most extreme events related to climate change. We need to work on their behalf. We also have a responsibility to those neighbours who have yet to be born. Finally, the Christian faith is one of hope and redemption. And if we want to engage the thousands of people who still do not see this as an important issue or one which is too big to deal with, we must be positive about what we can do to tackle it. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, we see that God has chosen not to withdraw from the mess that we have made of his creation, but to act from within the world to put it to rights. God is remaking the world, turning it the right way up. This isn't just about individual salvation. It includes the whole of creation, and he calls us to be part of his plan. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. So too this week's guests. Evie Gosden and Sheba Ajumawu from Compassion UK. Evie, first, tell us about Compassion UK. Um, who are you as an organisation and what do you do? Thanks, Tim. Uh, so Compassion UK is a Christian international development charity for children. We're based in 25 countries across the global south. And our ambition is to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. Um, we primarily do this in partnership with churches. Um, so we have over 8,000 church partners across the globe. Um, and these partners facilitate a holistic child development program. So 8,000 churches, 25 developing countries. That's a heck of a lot of partners and a very large reach. But you very much depend upon individual supporters through your sponsorship scheme. Tell me about how that works. Yeah, that's right, Tim. So um, participation in our Holistic Child Development Programme, which takes place in vulnerable communities across the globe, um, really depends on sponsors. So if you uh, take it upon yourself to sponsor a child, that will fund their participation in our programme, where they will receive um, basically bespoke support, depending on what is needed for their community. But it will include education, nutritional support, medical support it could involve mentoring leisure activities all kinds of different things of course Eva, you and i met a few weeks ago at an event in parliament um, yes. where it was about a very different program or a, a link program but supported by government aid um and that is the uh the the child survival program tell us a little bit about that yeah, that's right. So I would say that this is an area of uh, Compassion's work that maybe fewer people are aware of than um, this, the sponsorship programme. So in 2019, we were very blessed to uh, run a UK aid match campaign and we raised 
£1.04 million from the government to fund 23 child survival um, projects across Togo. So Togo, as you're aware, Tim, um, has some real challenges. So extreme poverty is a real problem there. In rural areas, 69% of households live below the poverty line, and this has really severe consequences for maternal health. So the sad reality is that in Togo, one in 20 babies won't reach their first birthday, and women actually have a one in 56 chance of dying due to complications in pregnancy or childbirth. So the purpose of this UK aid-funded child survival programme is to support mothers and babies in their first year of life. So um, this support takes many different forms. So in the first instance, it's critical pre and postnatal care, um, including medical treatment, which is something that is absolutely not taken for granted otherwise. Um, nationally, only 69% of mothers give birth with a skilled birth attendant pres present, um, whereas in our programme, it's 95% of mums who are able to have that. In addition to this, our child survival projects offer, it may be, depending on the needs of the, the mother and the child, nutritional supplements, medical support, advice and guidance on issues such as breastfeeding and childhood vaccinations, and also training and income generating skills. Um, and also because uh, we want this programming to be sustainable in the long term, we're about tackling intergenerational poverty. All the babies who take part in our UK aid funded child survival program are then offered the opportunity to take part in their local holistic child development program where they will receive a sponsor and then get support from their local church. That's fantastic. Now, of course, to deliver that, uh, we're we're a, a, a program that talks to people involved in politics. But of course, to deliver that, you've got to get past or through politicians and government structures in in Togo. What's that like compared to here? Um, so I would actually, Tim, say that we've been very blessed and that in Togo, we have quite a positive uh, working relationship with the government there. They've been very supportive and um, the Compassion Togo team are really strong. They've actually um, been doing some safeguarding work with the government and recently their achievements were recognised. They've got an award for their safeguarding. So pos a positive report here. So how does that compare to lobbying the likes of me? Because when it comes down to it, obviously over the last few years, this is I think the third year and the final of three years of funding you've had through the UK government, uh, through the international aid budget, listeners will know that the UK is reducing its commitment to international aid from 0.7 of uh, GDP to 0.7% of GDP to 0.5% of GDP. And that will have an impact on aid schemes going forward. As we speak, you don't know whether there's going to be any fund for you to bid, in, bid into to keep this going beyond next year, do you? Yeah, that's correct. So there's still a lot of questions around what aid is going to look like in future, where the funding is going to come and how NGOs such as Compassion are going to be able to um, access that. Um, I should say that actually we have been incredibly blessed and in that our funding for child the child survival programme in, in Togo has not been cut. Um, but you're right that it is a very serious point. I think that one difficulty 
that NGOs have in working in international development issues is that there is a general sense in Parliament maybe, but also in the wider population, that poverty is too big a challenge to tackle, that aid and international development efforts simply aren't making any difference. But that is a myth. So in recent decades, and particularly since the 1960s, there has been a massive decline in the number of people living in extreme poverty. Um, and that is partly thanks to international development activities. However, where we are now is that forecasts are showing that decades of valuable progress are expected to reverse, specifically because of the global pandemic. A mucky business with Tim Farron. We're speaking with Evie Gosden and Sheba Ajimawu from Compassion UK. Sheba, you're very welcome. It's lovely to, to have you with us. As a child in Uganda, you were helped directly by some of Compassion UK's programmes in your area, weren't you? Tell me a little bit about them. Uh, thank you so much, Tim, for having us here. And uh, it's my pleasure to talk about uh, Compassion UK and the programs that it offers and the help it gives to children um, in international developing nations. Um, uh, as Evie uh, pointed out, uh, the countries we work in, I was very uh, blessed to be part of the program. I was registered uh, in the Compassion Program and absolutely I received uh, the help, the support um, that um, Compassion offers to children growing up in poverty or in some of our you know, in abject poverty areas. And yeah, it was at uh, a local church and yeah, I received things like uh, scholastic materials, education materials. Uh, I had mentors, I've always told my story, uh, yeah, where Compassion always bring like uh, mentors for children, uh, like university students, visitors visiting from abroad who come and speak to the children and also sponsors who come to visit the children in the Compassion Programme. And that really brings such an amazing picture to children uh, when they come to um, to the Compassion Programme uh, at a centre project and uh, life different from uh, children where they live at home. So having received many of the benefits of the programme, you've then found yourself in an incredibly frightening situation where you had to escape from your home, from your village at the age of 14 in the middle of the night. Tell me what prompted that. We say sometimes that poverty is lack of hope. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that was one of the situation I was facing and, and uh, I, where I, I come from, it's just a little village at the border of Rwanda and Uganda. And where at the time people didn't believe in like educating girls um, because they thought um, um, if you educate girls, they are going to go on and just, you know, carry on with someone else's responsibilities and then they will leave yours, you know, so there's no point giving them that much education. And when we got home, I was tipped uh, off by children at home, uh, as you know, most of the families in Africa where the, you have this hot house facing the other, so everyone knows almost everyone's affairs. So when they told me, oh, the children told me that, oh, you're getting married, and I'm like, to who? I think they mentioned like family, and 
I'm like, but I, I don't know them. I don't, you know, I'm only lit. I'm going to, how about my school? It was such a serious matter that actually in the night, I had to escape and go go about maybe 20 miles plus to walk in the night in the middle of the night and go to my grandmother's side um, down to down towards towards the district center like uh, say Alcisti Center Kisoro Town, yeah. So for me, that's how um, I survived that because the forces of this program were stronger and. Um, Maybe if I didn't, uh, I would have, you know, as you know, with as Evie talked about generational poverty. Mm. So it maybe the cycle would have carried on. It would never have stopped with me. Mm. I would never have been the first girl to be educated to to go to high school, to ever go to even university beyond, you know, in my in my village or in my town. Um, yeah, so that's how I skipped that. And so as somebody who was uh, on the cusp of being a victim of forced Mm. child marriage, here we are on International Women's Day, and it's right that we support you and Compassion in the work you're doing to prevent forced child marriage. It's right to say, I think, from hearing what you said, that you were equipped to a degree, even though you were only 14, you were equipped because of the schemes you had gone through with compassion because sponsors have supported you to be aware there was another way of living um, and that you did not need to comply with what um, was potentially going to be forced upon you and so am I right in saying that now as a, an ambassador for um, for compassion and in particular on the campaign to prevent forced child marriage that your work in trying to get um, families engaged with the compassion programs uh, in Uganda and elsewhere is about keeping girls safe from forced child marriage in the future. Yes, I would absolutely, yeah, um, call upon that because uh, when you support a child, uh, through compassion you're actually not supporting a child you are supporting a family you are supporting a community but you will never know ways in which uh, you are doing that and we've always talked about um in in most developing nations there is what we call people work together there's no individualism so when somebody grows and they say oh actually this is working so our people come out to support and like later I said now everyone wants to educate their girl child like Sheba everyone you know I became a point of reference if she could do it if she could break the cycle of poverty that means our girls can do it and they're doing that and also because now through compassion as time goes on people are sensitized people are are educated about many things in life they're like oh actually this works or actually it's not just about people taking our children but it's about helping us to change our surroundings to change the narrative to change our mindsets that actually when you educate children when you keep them more in school you're empowering them and we all um, I mean as I always say in most cases, when there's war, when there's crisis, I think uh, most people will recognize or will remember that in 1990s, Uganda was the first nation or one of the first nations to declare actually people are dying of HIV AIDS. They brought it to light. So that's the era I grew up in. And often it's women who found themselves dying, uh, being married off at a young age, being married off to women that already had, you know, wives, older women, uh, I mean, older men. So for, for a child to escape, you know, to go th- 
through those hardships and make it through and go back to the community and change. It's something that we can't take for granted. It's something that uh, you empower me, you help me out promise my promise it changed my surroundings so i would absolutely uh, encourage uh, people to come on board to support us um yeah you're not supporting just one child you're supporting her community you're supporting her whole nation we've had uh, a lot of girls in my country that have come out to to become members of parliament who are working very high way top in 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 the government who are changing their surrounding who are going back to the villages who by other people looking at them knowing the the many faces of poverty they faced and then they came through they soldiered through because somebody through compassion held their hand and walked with them through these intervention programs they were given those skills that uh, spoke volumes that spoke beyond their surroundings Sheba thanks very much and and so much for being so open and sharing as sharing with us your your own personal experiences, which um, must be traumatic uh, and must have been traumatic and still lay heavily upon you, but which you have used to help other uh, young women and families in similar circumstances to be able to see that there are other ways. And we're we're really grateful to you. Before we let both you and Evie go, I don't want to finish without giving listeners the chance to know what they could do to make a difference. So Evie, Evie, maybe you could tell us and tell listeners um, how we could make a difference to help you in your work with both child survival and preventing forced child marriage. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Tim. Um, so you perhaps won't be surprised to hear me say that the first thing you can do is pray. You can pray for the women and babies in our child survival programme. Um, you can also pray for the girls who are at risk of um, child marriage in their communities, particularly in places like Bangladesh, Brazil, Ethiopia, um, countries in which compassion is working where the risk of forced child marriage is particularly high. Um, and I would say that as you're praying, you can do this from an informed perspective. So um, if you go to our website, compassionuk.org, forward slash stop today we are launching officially our stop the weddings campaign and you can find loads of information there about what the problem is and um what what we at compassion are doing to support those young girls who are at risk secondly listeners may be in a position and may um want to prayerfully consider whether they can sponsor a girl so that somebody else can have the opportunities that Sheba has had to avoid um, child marriage. And thirdly, you can donate to a very special programme that we are going to be running in Bangladesh, where the risk of child marriage is particularly high. Well, we'd really like to encourage listeners to support Compassion UK. Um, if you want to know more, I'll make sure there's something on my Twitter feed today to give you details about how to get in touch, how to check out Compassion's website and see how you can support their work on ending uh, forced child marriage and on child survival, particularly on this International Women's Day. Evie Gosden and Shiva Adjumawu from Compassion UK. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to both of you. Good luck in all that you do. Thank you. Each week, we answer a question from you, the listener, about how Christianity and politics can work together. Maybe you're thinking through a particular issue or you're not sure why people disagree on a certain policy. 
If you've got a question, please write it in an email to farron at premier.org.uk. Well, this week, Carl in London has been in touch and he's asked the following. He says, I understand the UK and US want to avoid directly getting involved in the conflict in Ukraine. But at what point is it their duty to step in with more than just sanctions and defend the Ukrainian people? That's an amazingly good and, of course, very, very topical question. Christians will approach this from different angles. I'm not a pacifist. Some are. I do think that some wars are just and sometimes it's right to take up military arms in order to defend the weak, in order to pursue justice. It's also important to be wise. I mean, I'm honest with you. I don't think I've ever prayed so angrily as I have this last couple of weeks about the situation in Ukraine, the behaviour of Putin and his henchmen. Um, what we really need from our politicians I and mean, what we need all of us at a time like this is wisdom to make the right choices. You say that you understand that the UK and US don't want to get directly involved in the conflict. If we were to police a no-fly zone over Ukraine, you run the very strong risk of a US or a British plane shooting down a Russian one. And we all know where that might lead. And so I understand the equivocation. Having said that, if we don't take action, there is a possibility that Ukraine may just be the first of many states that end up being put, brought back under kind of Russian control. And that just gives a, an appalling example that bullies get their way, which is why the crippling sanctions are so important. It's why providing Ukraine with the military hardware, software, training and everything that they need and all the logistical stuff and all the other things that might need food and all other kind of supplies are, are better ways of approaching this. But I have to say there will come a point or there may come a point where it may not be resistible. We can't, in the end, give in to a bully. For the time being, let's pray for peace, let's pray for repentance, and let's pray for wisdom that this situation can be resolved without further escalation. If you have a question for Tim, email farron at premier.org.uk. Well, let's join together as we come towards the end of our time this week in prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, this is International Women's Day. Thank you that you made every woman on this planet, every girl on this planet in your image, and you love them. And we thank you for the work of Compassion UK in supporting women um, in 25 different countries, 8,000 partner churches. We thank you for their work. We pray that they seek to ensure that children survive into adulthood and live uh, fruitful and flourishing lives. And as they seek to prevent the wickedness of forced child marriage, that you would support them um, and bless them in their work and that you would guide uh, Christians into how they can support and lift up their work. Lord, we also want to bring before you the people of Ukraine. We pray, Father, for your protection, your supernatural protection on the villages, the towns, the cities, the families, the homes, the infrastructure of the people of Ukraine. Keep them safe, Lord, against this evil. We pray, Lord, that you would take action in this day against the evil which is perpetrated against them, that you would bring repentance in the hearts that um, are behind this evil, and that you would indeed rebuke and bring justice against that evil. Uh, Father, we just ask for peace, and we ask for justice, and we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget that you can catch up on all the shows which have included interviews with party leaders, former government ministers, and MPs from all the major parties. 
Just search for A Mucky Business on your chosen podcast provider or head to premierchristianradio.com forward slash a mucky business. I'll see you next time. Thank you.